Hey, you're listening to the Kakai Meitahi Podcast, Episode 2, I'm Lilika. And I'm Maka. And we are two Tongan sisters connecting from opposite ends of the Pacific Ocean, but more importantly, to connect back to our people of Oceania. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Let's start with the recap from our first episode. First of all, we're so grateful that people are listening and tuning in and can find this podcast, you know, relevant. And I feel like everyone has their own experience, but because we are Nisian people and we have similar cultures, I feel like a lot of the things that we talk about can be relevant. So it is cool to hear your stories and your your experiences as well. So some people were questioning or had questions about the naming custom. Uh, interracial customs in the families. So in the in the Tongan custom, it is common for the Fahu to name the children. The Fahu is the oldest sister of the dad. So if there's a couple and they're having a kid, the person who would name that kid would be the dad's oldest sister. I think there's variations of this custom. Um where I know that, like, traditionally, that is the way that it's often done. But I'd say, like, a lot of our first cousins or a lot of the Tongans that I've grown up with um, that have kids now, they will go and ask, they will go and ask their sister before, like, like, hey, we'd like you to name our baby. It's not, like, an expected thing of them where they just give up the right to name their kid. It's like, no, we really care about you in our life. So we want you to name our kid. So I think the naming custom, I think that's just a way to be respect, to show respect for the Fahu. I think also it's not a way to like, just give up your right to name your kid. Like I think everyone should have a right to name their kid. Um, I I don't think it just has to do with naming. Um, I'd say that there's probably like some, I think there's some like lack of common ground or a common understanding of what it means to bring two cultures together into one family unless you come at it with with wanting common ground and wanting common understanding then there will always be issues people will will react negatively um but i think that that shows you know like i think i think both sides have a point i think both people are show, are showing like they don't want their culture to die and that's why they react that way there's also people who are like, well, the culture needs to adapt to today. Um, and that's also like a fair point. But I'm saying like, as long as you have a common understanding of, well, we still want to be a part of the culture. Like you have to understand w- what your objectives are. I think just, just making sure that there's a bigger picture. Someone else asked about how we feel about pronouncing names and nicknames. When people pronounce your name, and it's incorrect. I actually saw a quote, and I posted this on my one of my on my stories, like saying, "If if people can say mm-hmm. Daenerys Targaryen, mm-hmm. they can they can say your name." Like I remember actually when I was younger saying Lilika, and there was like a teacher who called me Lilica, and I was like cringing. Like he, I let him call me Lilica. And I was what? like, "Did you let him call me that?" I was like young and shy, and I was like. That's not my name. <laughs> I think it was like a 
whole month though. It was like a whole month. He was like, going through the, he would go through the, um, what do you call it? The roll call or go through the student attendance. And he'd be like, Lilica. And I'd just be like, present. <laughs> if this is a visual, I would insert the Hey, hey, Ron. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the experience that I had. And so it wasn't until a month later, one of my friends, like who sat across from me, and she was so titta, and she's like, "Eh, Mister, it's Lilika," and she like fully like corrected him, and I was like, "Oh, thank you, oh, true friend." <laughs> and he was like, "I'm sorry, Lilika." So he like said it correctly, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna correct people." I guess I just thought yeah. it was wrong to correct a teacher, but after that, I was like, "Okay." I, was like, I think permission. it's also like an indicator with with people if they try, like how you were saying that they should at least try. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It bothers me a lot that sports commentators right. will like know every stat on a player, but not know how to say their name. Right, right. And it bothers me that like they don't even bother to look at the pronunciation, at least even with rugby, like with rugby, where we yeah. go into like finals you write how your you write the pronunciation of your name for this for the announcers so when the announcers read your names they'll read the pronunciation that you've given and so i'm like i i feel like they definitely have that for like nfl but when like when i hear all these like islander names that are getting mispronounced it bugs me so much it's so cringy i feel like yeah it's very cringy and then you'll see like international announcers say the names right because you know these are like world star rugby players so everybody knows how to say their name correctly so i'm like it's not even a fact that just because you're white you can't figure it out you're just choosing not to you're just being lazy like Like, it's not hard to like ask the person directly like am i pronouncing your name correctly could you like help me learn your name like what's so hard about that this is my own personal feelings. Like, I feel like nicknames are for people who are close to you, like who have that relationship, like your family, your friends, people you feel comfortable with. And I feel like if you're first meeting someone, you should at least try, you know what I mean? At least try to learn the pronunciation. Like if you're calling me leaks because you can't pronounce my first name, then I'm just like, okay, no. Even Maka, Maka like is only used by family and people that we grew up with. But it was because most people that we grew up with could say maka the right way. Whereas when I moved to town at Punahou, like, because I went to school, I went to Punahou with some people who I grew up with. And when they call me maka, like, other people would try to call me maka, but they'd say it all weird. <laughs> like, they'd say the A's wrong. And that's why I would just, like, only introduce myself as Maxine. But it wasn't, like, a thing of shame. It was more, like, similarly with how you were saying, like, there's certain nicknames that you share with certain groups. Like, with rugby, rugby people call me Max. So the only time that I ever hear people calling me Max is on the field or with other teammates that I've met through rugby. And I remember I had a reaction to when Lilika called me Max once. And I was like, why'd you call me that? Because to me, that's like only a certain group calls me that. And Maka is our family name. That's what people call me in our family. Okay, okay. this is what I, but <laughs> this is why I said it though. 
It's because we call you Maka, but for short, I used to also call you Mox, like M-A-K-Z. Then at that time, I just like said Max, and just the A was a different pronunciation, which is totally different group of people for you. So you had a reaction and I was like, what's the big deal if I say Max or Mox? (laughs) And you're like, no, don't call me Max. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just like, where'd that come from? And you're like, why? I can't call you Max. (laughs) You were like offended that you couldn't call me Max. And I'm like, no. No, you You were offended that I called you Max. You get to call me Maka. (laughs) So and we had this really big fight. It was huge. We had a huge fight, and we're like yelling at each other. And I was like, so in a rush drama in Japan. It was so bad. That was so crying dumb. and eating our pizza. It was so dumb because it was like, what the heck is your problem? I can't say Max. And you're like, no, I you can't call it Max. But I mean, I get it. Okay, I get it. What I meant to say was Max, but I was like, I just like opened yeah. my mouth a little wider and it came out as bad. <laughs> that's that's my thoughts on nicknames. I think yeah, I think we have similar, like certain people call us certain things, but if those boundaries cross, it's like, whoa, what? <laughs> So our first episode, we promised that we would put in some segments. Our first segment is Tongan Word of the Day. Today's Word of the Day is provided by One Tongan Word a Day page, which is on Instagram. It's an exclusive page that was started by Elizabeth Gite. Everyone who's in the page are at different levels of Tongan. We have fluent speakers. We have beginners like myself. And so if you're interested in joining in, go ahead and contact Elizabeth Kite, her Instagram handle is at E-V-K-I-T-E, and I'm sure she'll be more than happy to add you. So today's word is fokotu'u, to cause to stand, to heap up, stack, to set up, found, establish, or install, to appoint, to set out, set in order. The sentence is, meaning mele was appointed to the board. Also, to set in order, the Tongan word would be Mele set out the plan for the meeting. What, oh, is there a reason you wanted to share this word in particular? Yeah, I just like the word. And I think it's, it's very useful for us as a people because I feel like we're always, I feel like we're entrepreneurs and we're always like establishing something. I like that word, especially now that we have like so many in this day and age, entrepreneurship seems to be like the thing. I think fukutu'u is a, is a cool word to know. I, I'd even say that kind of ties into one of the excerpts that we're going to be reading as people like as Pacific Islanders have traveled the world. They like are finding like they're establishing home bases in all these different cities and they're like figuring out how to get their own resources. Um, and it kind of sounds like, you know, that's that's what Fukutu'u means. They're setting themselves up to live their lives there. Yeah, I think that's one way to bring bring in how it is relevant. Yeah. This episode in particular. Oh, yeah, for sure. Speaking of this episode, the title of this episode is meaning, where are you from? Literally translating to you come from where? So today's topic, we will be talking about 
migration. In the first episode, we talked a little bit about, at least for Maka and I as siblings, we were born and raised in Laie, Hawaii. So that's where our hometown is. We moved from Laie to Hawaii Kai. And then my family went from Hawaii Kai to Sacramento, Antelope, California. And now Maka is out there in the Bay Area in Santa Clara. And I, me and my family are here in Osaka, Japan. But before all that, and our dad was born in Tonga, but when he was about a year or two old, he and his, and his family moved from Tonga to the States. And so my dad was raised most of his life in Oakland, California, whereas my mom came from Tonga. She was born and raised in Hatejo, and she came to college at the Brigham Young University of Hawaii. So she was the first of her immediate family, even before her parents or her siblings, to come to the States. I guess I wanted to share um, something that dad told me a long time ago about how the reason why they came to the States um, was that them, along with like a lot of other Tongans, uh, in the 60s, there was like a huge wave of um, immigrants coming in from the islands uh, that were coming into the States. And the reason why our, um, our dad's family came was because they were trying to go to Salt Lake City, Utah, um, where the headquarters of the Mormon church was because they believed that uh, the gathering of Zion had to happen before the second coming. And to them, they interpreted that to mean that they had to gather at Salt Lake City. Someone found out that there were all these Tongans coming to Salt Lake City. And they were like, no, that's not what the gathering of Zion means. You don't have to come to Salt Lake City. And so instead of like completing the trip and going all the way to Salt Lake City, Grandpa Lakalahi decided to be, I want to be by the temple. And so that's why he settled by Oakland in Oakland. And they live like right along the temple. Um, like you could walk to it from their house. But yeah, so a lot of them came because of the church. Um, and they came and settled around places that there that there was a temple. A lot of Tongans, if they wanted to get married in the church, also you had to be sealed in a Mormon temple. And at in Tonga, there wasn't a temple at the time. So a lot of them had to go to Fiji or New Zealand, New Zealand. or Hawaii to seal their marriages. And that was the reason for a lot of like early, um, early migration. Because in Oakland, there's like heck of Tongans in Oakland right now. But our dad would always like brag about being one of the first ones. And I, I always take our dad's word with a grain of salt. And then I remember coming across a census study that showed like um, migration patterns of it was Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders. Like that's the group in the census. Like there's a way to filter the results for just Tongans. And it would show that like the biggest populations of Tongans are in the Bay Area, but then there's also in Salt Lake City. Even in the census, it would talk about like the main reasons for these migrations to these areas was because of like the Latter-day Saints. So I, I just feel like that um, is, is a common story that a lot of Tongans share. Yeah, I just want to, I feel like, um, I want to say like the, the pioneers of immigrants that come from the islands 
to the states, the top reason is was religion. That was like the one of the biggest reasons for like for, at least for our family to come out out to the states from Tonga. Um and it's just really interesting to me to to see how that has been changing recently like in the in their more recent generations. Now it's just more than religion. People are coming out here for sports. People are coming out here for education. Ebeli how Opa does say that that it is it's in our blood to be mobile and it is because of the ocean that connects us that we're able to use it as a highway to travel into the diaspora and it's really important for me to recognize and understand that i and all of us who live in the diaspora whether it's in hawaii new zealand australia japan california the states we are immigrants and i feel like because we're immigrants we should be more supportive of those who are fighting for their native lands the indigenous people who are fighting for their native lands because we understand that we are guests i think that's interesting cuz that that like brings to mind some things that one of my tongan mentors has said to me she works for a land trust here, an Ohlone land trust, and the Ohlone are the natives of the Bay Area. And she works for a land trust where people who own land in Ohlone territory, or this is like territory that stretches from Hayward all the way to Richmond. Um, I'm not sure how far, but if you own land within there, um, technically all that land was stolen from the Ohlone people. Um, so if you wanted to, you could donate that land to this land trust and they will use it for community farms. They'll use it to build housing, affordable housing, like places for people, like they'll give it back to the community. But one of the things that she was saying to me was like, she was talking to a group of us who were trying to organize um, a climate, a climate justice event. And most of us were all like Tongan women, Tongan girls who were in college. She was telling us that she had to realize that she needs to know that this land is now her home. Like she likes to think that she's always like, she always like calls the islands her home um, and Tonga will always be her home. But she has to like switch her mindset to to know that this is now her home, the Bay Area, and she has to stand up for her home now. By standing up for her home, she means standing up with the indigenous people of that land. That was like a hard thing for me to hear because I've always still held Hawaii as my home and have still like wanted this to be a place that I come back to and I still call it my home. Like even when people ask me where I'm from, I'll always say Hawaii. But it's harder for me to switch the mindset into saying like, no, I have to be part of the Bay Area now. I have to like, you know, stand up for like the, in the same way that I'm uplifting issues that are going on back home in Hawaii. I have to do that here for the Bay Area. Like I think it's hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like even though that we're mobile, I think it's it's still hard to navigate like where are you from? You know, like yeah. that, that's still be a really hard question for people to, to sit with. Yeah, for sure. Even for me, I'm here in Japan and people ask, where are you from? And I'll always say Hawaii, but then I'll always also say, but I'm Tongan. 
I feel like that's very important for me to clarify. I don't want people to like misunderstand that I'm Hawaiian, that I have Hawaiian blood. I mean, I would love to have Hawaiian blood, but I don't. I think that's fair. I think we we went through this conversation. I don't know if it was through an episode or if it was just us talking, but I remember when someone asked me like, where would I prefer to work if I wanted to work back home in Hawaii or if I wanted to work here in the Bay when it came to like working with Polynesians. And I would always say like, I would definitely choose to work back home. It would be much easier for me to talk about like any kind of issues with with Polynesians who are raised back at home in Hawaii. Because back there, we already understand what it means to be local versus being native. You don't call yourself native if you're not. You just know that. You, like, you're local because you grew, you're born and raised there. But you are you don't say, like, oh, I'm Hawaiian. Versus people who are raised in the Bay Area because there's not that education around native issues. Like, we grew up learning Hawaiian in school. Like, we had Hawaiian class. We had a kumu who came in. She spoke Hawaiian coming in. We, like, invited her into the room in Hawaiian. So in the Bay Area, do you usually hear people say things like, I'm a native Bay Area? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's common across the states. I think that's really common across the states. People say, like, oh, I'm native to this city. I'm native to that city. The word native has changed. Like, before before native, it was indigenous. And before indigenous, it was, like, there was another term. So the term changes every now and then. It's always like some persons in academia who's changing how we use these terms. But for I feel like for at least this generation, how we say it is is native, and we don't have to explain what that means when we're back home in Hawaii. Right. But when when I'm here in the Bay Area and I'm talking to Polynesians, like a lot of them don't get me when I'm like, "No, you're born and raised here." But there are natives who are from here who've been living here for thousands of years. They're natives. <laughs> like, you're not Bay Area natives. Like, I'm, I know you want to, like, claim this and make it your own. But there's that lack of understanding, like, makes it really hard for them to, for me at least, to reach a common ground in explaining native issues. Whereas I don't have to explain that back home. People already right. get it. And I think that comes from a difference of, um. of education. Um, and just the difference of how much Hawaiians have fought to put that into our public schools. I really like that we went over this. It also goes back to, like we said in the first episode, because I feel like once we know who we are and where we're from, then we have a better understanding of those around us, not to like divide, but just to just for more understanding we are one people, we are Oceania, we are Kakai Meitahi, and that we are supportive of each other. But it's important for us to know first who we are. Like, for example, it's important for me to know that I'm not a native Hawaiian, that I'm Tongan. But at the same time, it's important for me to know that if I was born in Hawaii and I was raised in Hawaii, I should be doing everything I can to support native Hawaiians the way I'm supporting my own people. It's important for us to know we're immigrants, so that wherever we are in the world and wherever we decide to live, that we should put that energy in supporting the natives there as if how we would be for our own culture and for our own people as well. Yeah. There's this, this, uh, have you ever heard of the Snotty Nose Res Kids? They're like these two rappers from um, this territory 
in Canada. Um, they're natives. And in one of their songs, one of their songs became like the rallying cry for for the Dakota Access Pipeline. At the end of their song, they like feature part of the speech that was given by like this other native activist. And he was saying like, we'd like to remind you Americans and Canadians that you are still guests on our land. and We are still your hosts. Like, you know, like how I feel like we always heard, heard like when you go to a place, like leave that place better than how you found it. Yeah, not just that, but like even us growing up, when we go visit people's homes, we're always told like, just act in your best behavior. Don't be messing up people's homes because we're guests. Like that's not your house. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's such a mind shift when you start thinking of it as the areas that you live in you are still a guest unless you are like native to that place. You're still a guest and you have to go out and seek your host, you know, like even, even in our own island. Yeah. 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 And it should be on the guest to understand who their host is. Like for example, neighborhoods that are completely gentrified. A lot of times we just forget. Yeah. I think it's very important for to know that too. The today's takeaway and challenge is to look into where you're from. Where did your family immigrate from? Where is your hometown? And if you are a Pacific Islander in the diaspora, who is your host? And not just that, but are you being a good guest? Thanks for tuning in to Kakai Meitahi. That's today's episode on Goho Hao Meife. See you next time.